morning and welcome to Sunday at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth and I want to invite you to join us on a journey as we seek to welcome the Christ child into the world. A gift from God that shows God's love for us, God's blessings for us, and God's good gifts of grace for us. So come on and let's travel together. Come on in. first lesson is from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a, a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zachariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I hear the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there, were, there would be a fulfillment of what, has, what was spoken to her by the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is the continuation of what Boone just read to you this morning. The continuation of what we get to that is known as Mary's Magnificat. And the Magnificat is banned from being read in several countries. Why? Mm -hmm. Listen, see if you can figure it out. We are continuing in Luke 1 with verses 46 through 56. Listen for the word of the Lord. And Mary, in response to meeting with Elizabeth, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So some time ago, when my now 14-year-old was four, so we'll just call it 10 years ago, 
a sweet, adorable little child, as she continues to be. I remember right where we were. I was driving. She was in her child's seat. We were in Tallahassee, Florida, when she made her pronouncement and utterance. Daddy, I want Jesus. What? What? I said, what, what, what did you say, honey? She said, I want Jesus. How have we been blessed with this prophetess, this child that already is being called by God to do amazing things in the world? We know the Dalai Lamas are chosen young also. I have the Christian equivalent. So throughout the day, I'm thinking about it. What do I need to do to encourage this vessel for God in Christ to work through her? So then at home, and here again, I want Jesus. Yes, let's talk about that some. And then as I'm listening, watching the news, I hear from the kitchen, I see Jesus. She sees Jesus in our kitchen. Where is he? And I get up and I run and she's pointing in the pantry. Jesus is in our pantry. It is not Jesus she seeks, but Cheez-Its she seeks. <laughs> I want Cheez-Its is what she said. I heard Jesus. But nonetheless, she is living into her call, and I'm very proud of her. Today, we have two children that are being called to do amazing things. In this case, it is unborn children, and today it is about Mary and Elizabeth and their relationship together. The first and second reading were both taken from the larger gospel of Luke and his birth narrative. So all that has happened in the Gospel of Luke is first starts with Elizabeth and Zechariah. Let's start with them. So Zechariah is a priest. He's a religious big shot. And every year they cast lots. They, come on, baby, double sixes, boom. And whoever wins gets to go in the one time for that year into the Holy of Holies, into the temple, to provide the incense for the worship at that particular time. Zechariah is chosen as they cast lots to do so. And while he is in there doing his priest duties, an angel, that is Gabriel, comes to him and says, you will have a child. Now, why is this a little bit more than Zechariah expected? Well, he and Elizabeth were both on in age, as it says in the Bible, and not unlike Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18. If you remember, there were visitors that Abraham welcomed in, and they told him that um, Sarah would have a baby, and she laughed, remember? And the angel said, I heard you laugh. She said, oh, I didn't laugh. He said, oh, yes, you did laugh. Very similar, we have older, an older couple that thought their time had passed and another miraculous birth, as it was for Sarah and Abraham. And then Gabriel says, because you didn't believe me, Zechariah, you will be mute until the baby is born. 
So from that day forward till the rest of her pregnancy, he does not utter a word. The angel tells him that son will be John. You'll name him John, and that is John the Baptist. So at this point, then the very next thing happened, happens is that the angel, Gabriel, then goes to Mary. So we're about six months behind. And because we think Mary and Elizabeth related, that also makes John and Jesus related in some way, perhaps cousins. And so Gabriel comes and tells Mary that she is going to have a child. Pardon? You will be with child. How's that going to happen exactly? Well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive and bear a son. And this son is going to do amazing things. He will be the son of God. He is going to change the world. Mary, did you know? Yes, she knew some things. There were some specifics that the angel didn't tell her about how he would calm the waters and heal people. But she knew the bigger picture that this was going to be an amazing child that would change the world forever, and she was being chosen as the vessel for that. That is a lot to take in. Anybody? Think about this encounter and think you might just be overwhelmed and overcome with all of the meaning of it all. Did that really happen? I have to think about what the angel said. What does that mean? So immediately, she goes. And who does she go see? She goes to see Elizabeth. Again, we think Elizabeth is significantly older. We are guessing that Mary is 12 to 14-ish, early teens at the oldest. And she goes to see her relative in the Judean hill country, Elizabeth. We don't even know if, jo if Joseph knows yet what's going on. So as they meet together, as Elizabeth sees Mary coming, they come together, two pregnant women with God-inspired children, as all children are, but who have been set aside to do specific things that will change the world, as all children are. But in this case, they come together, they probably didn't be belly welcome each other. But as they were together, John, at six months, leapt in her womb. As if a confirmation when Mary spoke that her child was already recognized and going to be amazing. And also confirming what the angel had said. Yes, did, did I just dream that? What if all this isn't going to happen when she sees Elizabeth and John the Baptist jumps. Elizabeth says, yes! Did you see that? Did you feel that? I did. Mamas with babies, all the kicking, jumping around. This was out of pure joy for being in proximity to the unborn Christ from the unborn John the Baptist. That's quite the meeting. In 
And so in response to this, Mary writes this song, this prayer called the Magnificat, just a Latin translation of that first word. It begins with, my soul magnifies the Lord. Magnify, Magnificat. Another way to say magnify is to exalt or to glorify. So this is a song of praise. You can almost hear her disbelief in what she is saying. Listen again. He has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. She's talking about her. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She has several strikes against her. She is a woman in biblical times. That means she is second class at best. Her words not appreciated her insight not sought for. She is from Nazareth. That's another strike, little hick town up north in Galilee. Not very educated, except look how articulate this response is. And if you look back, if you remember Hannah, who was the prophet Samuel's mother, we're in 1 Samuel in the, in the Old Testament, she was barren. She prayed for a child. Samuel was that child that she then dedicated to the temple. And then later by 1 Samuel 16, this is the prophet Samuel who anoints a young King David. But Mary, in response to, I'm sorry, Hannah, in response to becoming pregnant, writes the prayer or the song of Hannah. Very similar to the Magnificat in the sense that it's going to upend the existing structure. The lowly will be made high, the high will be made lowly by earth's standards. So close is it that we think Mary may have known this and used this as kind of a, as parameters for her own song of joy and praise. So that's where we are on the fourth Sunday of Advent. Elizabeth and Mary know what's going to happen, that they are having exceptional children that God has called to do amazing things. And John will proceed, as Zechariah said in his song, the Benedictus, that he will precede the Messiah. Again, we know that's one of the job descriptions of John the Baptist, not to come out and just baptize, that's a piece, but also prepare the way for the Messiah, for Christ. So he will be first, and then Jesus will come. So what is it about today that we then think is important about this? Number one, Mary could have handled this herself, but she chose not to. Think about it in terms that we know and we think about every year. Think about the rumor mill in that small town. There's no cable. There's no dateline. There's no 24-hour news cycle. Everything is what is going on in the present and the people involved with their daily life. And something has happened to Mary. Oh my goodness, she's claiming what now? 
Because again, this is no joke. If she has been proven to violate her engagement with Joseph, she could be put to death. At worst and at best, just simply disgraced in front of her family and town. And you know the word is going to get out in a few months anyway. So instead, she takes time to clear her head. And as Vicki was talking about with the children, she goes to see Elizabeth, who is already herself having an amazing pregnancy, a relative, someone with whom she can go and confide and trust. So before we even get to Christ being born, we are seeing what is being modeled before us as what church is being set up to be. And that is relational. Again, Mary could have sat by herself. She could have not told anybody. She could have tried to cover as best she could her developing child. But Joseph would know, her family would know. She could have tried to go it alone, but she didn't. I think a part of that too is that she was overwhelmed with this angel who spoke with her. Something amazing is happening here, but it's going to be a different journey for her. So she goes to her mentor, Elizabeth. Relationships. So many of us try to go it alone in the world. We see the numbers in the studies done about how many people are spiritual but not religious, in which there is a lot of cynicism. There is a lot of not trusting the church to be the institution that it is. There is a lot of those sinners in church who don't exactly live as they're preaching everybody ought to live. Sometimes the church abuses its power. Sometimes we don't go the way everyone thinks it should. There's a lot of infighting. All of that, pretty much true. But if you take away those pieces... Or if you look and say, what is the purpose of the church in the first place? Other, first, to glorify Christ as our Messiah, to follow that calling. But we are about relationships. I know too many people who have said, I'm spiritual but not religious. I can do this on my own. And you can do a certain amount on your own. We're called to do a certain amount on our own day to day, but not apart from the community. You can go home, you can read devotions every day, you can go to a Bible school online, get a degree, get a diploma, go to seminary on your own. You can memorize every word of the Bible. Does that make you a better Christian that is closer to God? Some of it might, but that's not the criteria. What a family does, in this case a church family, is that we love and support one another just like Elizabeth did with Mary. 
Elizabeth could have said, oh, you just made that up. You are honing in on my miracle story. I don't think so, sister. You just go back on, back home to little Nazareth and let me be with my amazing child. She could have not believed her or sent her away thinking she was stealing her thunder. But Elizabeth, part of that family, recognized the joy in her eyes, recognized her story, and decided to spiritually take her in and physically. The thing that we often forget about when we're talking about the institution of the church is that the institution of the church is not about the institution of the church. About that sense. It is about the relationship of the people within the church to God, to the world, to each other, to ourselves. It is all about relationships. And if we throw that baby out with the bathwater that says, well, the church is to this or the church is to that, which it probably is those things, we are also throwing out the love the support, the opportunity to grow, all of our mentors that we can look up to in faith, and you yourself as a mentor of those who might be younger looking towards you in faith, the intergenerational things we do, the Bible studies, the breaking bread together, the Christmas breakfast, the Friday pajama party for young families, the worship, the serving to holding one another in good times and bad, to being there when disaster strikes in your life and your family, to celebrating when joy overcomes you and all of us. That is the heart of church. Yes, we bicker. Yes, we fight about things. Yes, we disagree. But it is because we are passionate about being followers of Jesus Christ. And they are reminding us again today that it is all about relationships. If you remember the actor Richard Crenna, who for a certain generation was in a TV show called The Real McCoys, and for the next generation, that is me, he was Rambo's colonel, Colonel Troutman. Only Colonel Troutman could get through to Rambo on a rampage. But Crenna, in an interview, talked about his life in Los Angeles. That was a little bit different. His parents owned a cost, a low-economy hotel. They didn't live in a home. They lived in the hotel. His life was very different. And he talks about what he called the undesirables who lived in that hotel. They were generally men on their own, that were addicted in one way or another or broke. Even a prominent thief lived in that hotel. He talked about one specific Christmas that just following a local uh, radio show that he did, at the age of 16, he was invited to go to New York for his first big audition. And so as he came down, the, the interview was right after Christmas. This would be the last time he would be with his family on Christmas and these undesirables. He had made fun of them time and again with their friends, mocked these people. They looked bad, they smelled bad, they acted bad. 
But today, they all knew that Richard Crenna was getting ready to go to New York for what could be his big break. His Christmases were not around a Christmas tree in a house. He missed that, that all of his friends had. His dinner was not at the dining room table. They went out to eat. They celebrated Christmas around the Christmas tree in the lobby, and this Christmas was no different. So as he was getting ready to go, they called him down in the Christmas tree in the lobby, surrounded not only by his parents, but by all of these undesirables, except this time they were shaved, they were showered, they were happy, they were smiling, and they even gave him gifts as he started his new life in New York City. He was blown away. He had made fun of them in front of them as this pesky little youth. He was embarrassed about these people in his life. So he gets to New York, he's on the subway, and someone asks him, hey, buddy, how, did you have a good Christmas? And he said, I've had the best Christmas ever with all of my family. For the first time, he saw all of those around him that he didn't even like, that he openly made fun of, who were not his people, but then realized that they were. Our faith, our journey is about relationships. You're going to be at gatherings this week with people you don't want to be at gatherings with. You're going to be with the crazy uncle who can't stop talking about this or this or politics or what's wrong with today's generation or the aunt. I'll be fair on both sides. It's going to be a, too, too much, a little too much eggnog floating here and there. You're going to see people even in those gatherings that you might think are undesirable, but they're a part of your gathering at that time. I encourage you, just as Vicki did the children, just as Mary sought Elizabeth, who can you connect with in the next week, in the events of Christmas that give you an inroad to someone's heart who may be suffering? Or to find someone, if you are in that position, to help you if you are suffering. We don't just have to get through those gatherings. And yes, sometimes it's hard if you've got a lot of people around to stop and to spend time, but pull someone aside. Say, tell me how you're doing. No, I mean really. Or pull someone aside and say, can I talk to you for just a minute? I've got something that I, I just need to get out and I would appreciate if you just listen. This week is perfect for that. Who can be your mentor or that you can mentor as Elizabeth and Mary showed? This week is about relationships and it may not be someone at your house. It may be someone you see in your travels. It may be somebody you bump into at the store or the gas station. This is an opportunity for us to be in Christian relationship to prepare for the coming of the Christ child. So to conclude, if you remember Robert Fulgham, who wrote the essays, the most favorite is all I needed to know in life I knew in kindergarten. I was reminded again from the Northside High School Theater Department as they did this in the fall as a series of short vignettes. 
Fulgrim telling the story of when he was having a cup of coffee and looking outside one fall, and into a bunch of leaves, a child hid. They were playing hide and seek. Well, he went away, finished his cup of coffee, came back with a fresh cup, and the child was still there, and they were all still looking for him. And he opened the window and said, for crying out loud, kid, get found. To which he, sure, the child was trembling and didn't know the voice coming from above. And then he talked about another game, one of my favorites from youth ministry, the opposite of hide and seek in a way called sardines. Instead of hide and seek where one person goes and hides and maybe you find them if they're that good and the space is that big, maybe you don't find them. That's victory for that person, but is it really fun? The opposite, sardines. One person hides and then when you find that person, you hide with them. And so slowly everyone finds and everyone gathers in one place like a little litter of puppies or sardines in a can, if you will. Until finally, there's giggling, and there's laughing, and there's, someone's coming. And the joy is uncontainable, so everyone is found, everyone comes to be a part of the group. That is what Fulgrim says is relationship. He says, God is a sardines player, that he prefers us together that all who are lost are found, and that we, like those children, are leaping and magnifying God with the joy that we know in response to Christ being born. So today, let us work on those ideas. Find those people as Elizabeth and Mary did. Be open, they're coming, because now you're gonna be open to them. And then know that we are called to be a sardine people together. Hallelujah. Amen.